He is risen. He is risen. Church, He is risen. I don't know if you believe it. I don't know if I fully believe it, but He is risen. Church, He is risen. You realize this. There are only two options. Either Jesus is a dead man in a grave somewhere in the Middle East, or He is alive. Do you believe this? He is risen. This is amazing. Church, I hope that you believe this today. He is risen, and because He is risen, everything changes. There are only two options today, folks. He is either dead or He is alive. The first Easter Sunday is either the day when the Son of God who came to this earth to pay our ransom and die for our sins in our place rose from the grave after three days conquering sin, Satan, and death forever and now lives in eternity forever to be for us our intermediary and our Lord and our Savior. Either that happened or nothing happened. Do we realize this? I think we do in our minds, but has it made our way into our hearts, folks? Do we realize what it is that we celebrate today? We don't just celebrate the fact that new life is possible. We don't just celebrate a, a, a rebirth of the earth. We don't just have good feelings uh, uh, this time of year because flowers start opening up again. All those things may be true. We celebrate a dead man who is alive today and is able to make dead people like us alive in Him. That is what we celebrate this morning and that is worth our whole celebration and our whole lives. And if it's not that, then it's not anything. Paul was reminding a church of this that he had planted who had forgotten this central reality. And he says to them, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead, but He did not raise Him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, if Jesus was not raised from the dead and alive today, folks, we have nothing to celebrate this morning. We are without hope and should be pitied by the world that we would be so foolish as to put all of our faith into a man who claimed that he could raise from the dead but did not. And maybe, I don't know where you're coming from this morning. Maybe you have doubts like I have doubts. Maybe your head believes something, but your heart 
is lagging behind. And so if that's you this morning, you're actually in good company. And if that's you this morning, and if Jesus does live, then I want you to hear and feel the weight of these next words that Paul shares to this church because he says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He has indeed. And if He's alive, then the resurrection is a real event that changed human history forever. Everything changed that day. And if that's true, everything now is different because of that day. That's why we celebrate it. And the hope of Easter says, and everything can be different for you. How many of you have had those moments in your life where you think everything changed on that day? One of the days for me was uh, when we found out that we were having a son. Well, we didn't know it was a son yet, but we knew that we were having a baby. And in, in December, Mandy and I were prayerfully deciding about whether or not to expand our family and to have a child. And so we said, okay, we're going to start in January. And January came, and, you know, all the signs were there that this could possibly be the case, that, you know, we were pregnant. And we're thinking, this, is, this doesn't happen in like a month. Like, we needed, we needed some time to process the decision that we had just made the decision, right? <laughs> Give us a few months, at least. And so she got a, a test and, and uh, took it, and then we were standing in the living room, like, you know, giddy kids waiting for for the test to come back, and, and uh, we look at it at the same time. She didn't want to look first and then tell me. We wanted to find out together. So we broke it out, and we looked at it, and there was the faintest blue line. And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, like, it, it's got to be bolder than that, right? <laughs> and so we check the box. It's like, you know, no, if, if, if there's even the slightest blue line, Congratulations. <laughs> So we go back and look and make sure that we're seeing it right. I, I think that's a blue line. Everything changed. Everything changed. And I look back at that day and I think, man, what would life have been like three and a half years ago if everything didn't change? Uh, you've probably had those moments too in your life where everything changes. And there is no bigger event where everything changes than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it changes us. It's not just some historical event that happened all those years ago that has no meaning for today. It changes us. And it changes this world. The question I want us to consider in the moments that we have today is this. If Jesus really did rise from the dead and is alive today, think about how huge that statement is just by itself. If that's true, then what? What are the implications of that enormous truth? Because like any news that's worth celebrating, it changes everything. And one of the greatest places that we can find out how it changes us is to look at the first people that it changed. The first ones who were following after Jesus and who experienced Him dying and who saw Him rise from the grave and who went out 
to meet this Jesus and to hear what he had to say. And these are the first, this is the first experience that his, his followers have with him after all of this has occurred. And the question they're asking themselves is, if this is true, now what? So it's the question that we should be asking too. And so let's look at what they encounter and what Jesus says to them. In Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, this is just after Jesus had rose and he told uh, the women who've, who uh, discovered his empty tomb, tell my disciples I'm going ahead of them there to meet me in Galilee, which is about 60 miles north of here. There they're going to find me and I have some things that I need to tell them about. So they go and they tell the disciples this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Can you imagine seeing Jesus alive after you saw Him die and you still have doubts? That's good news, right? If we've ever had doubts ourselves. And then Jesus came to them and He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, surely I'm with you until the very end of the age. I, I, you probably never read it this way before, but this would be a pretty boring scene if it weren't for Jesus there, right? If it were just the disciples going 60 miles north and they get together and they go, well, He said He would be here and He's not here. What do you think we should do? I don't know. They go there and they encounter Jesus. He's at the very center of their experience now. And He says, essentially, because I'm alive, because I now live, here's what's now true of you. Here's here's who you become because of who I am. And this was the life that Jesus was giving them a picture and a foretaste of. It's the life that the resurrection secures for us. It's what His first followers experienced at this moment. And it's possible for those who still follow Him. Who's in that category this morning? The first is this. We we need to know if Jesus lives, then we are under a new authority. We have a new King. A, A new power has come into our life to tell us who we are and, and what we should be doing with our lives. Now I wonder, what, what authority are you under this morning? Some of you are under the authority of your parents or under the authority of a spouse who dragged you out here and you're here this morning because they forced you to be here. So welcome to you who are in that category. I'm not going to ask you to self-identify. I'm just... I'm just saying what is, right? Some of you, though, are under the authority of some deeper, stronger things. Some of you are under the authority of worry. And you're here this morning because you think, man, if if we don't make church and God part of our daily experience, then how in the world are they going to turn out when they're grown-ups in this crazy, messed-up world? Some of you are under the authority of guilt and shame this morning, and you think, if maybe if I go and just be part of this thing called Easter, then if maybe if I show that it's a priority in my life, then God will 
see that and he'll forgive me. Some of you are under the authority of hopelessness and you're here going, I don't know, I'm just going to give it one last shot. Maybe, maybe God has something for me. Maybe something will change, but I highly doubt it and I, I doubt. Whatever that is, please know that if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then we are still slaves to whatever authority we came here under today. And we have no hope to change or to get out from underneath that authority. We need someone stronger and more powerful to do the work for us. And if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then we have no authority to do that. And that's bad news for a lot of us because some of us have been carrying the weight of things that keep us under its authority for years and it's killing us. Please know this morning that there is a better authority that you can live under today and His name is Jesus. Jesus says this to His disciples. He said, they, they went and told Him where they, he should, they should go. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. What falls under the category of all? Everything. Is there any place you can conceive of that isn't either heaven or earth? Probably not. Everything is under the authority of Jesus. You think, okay, well, how is that good news? Because if somebody has all authority, but they're not going to use it in the right way, then I should be afraid, not encouraged, right? So what is it that Jesus uses His authority to do? Here's the thing. Here's, here's the, the wonder of the Gospel. Jesus uses all authority in heaven and on earth to do two things. And the first one is this. He uses it to pursue you. He is tracking you down. You may think you're here this morning for a whole host of reasons, The reason behind all of those reasons is that Jesus wants you. He loves you. He is after you. He is pursuing you like a roaring lion we sang this morning. And He will not give up until He's had you. Because He knows just how much you need Him and just how much He loves you. And some of you have been resisting Him for years and and you think, if you just make the right decisions in life, then you won't need Him in your life. That is not true because you will still be under the same authority that you came here with today that you can never seem to gain victory over. You need to know this morning that Jesus is pursuing you with His love so that He could take care of that issue for you. Second thing that you need to know is that In His pursuit of you, the reason He's pursuing you and the way that He uses His authority for you is not to condemn you, it's to save you. Jesus uses all authority in heaven and on earth to to come after you like a lion so that He might save you. That He might save you. See, without Jesus' authority to save, We've got ourselves a really big problem. We read earlier that if Jesus has not been raised, then we are still in our sins. And that, that, is, an, that, is, that is a big we. 
That's a we that includes all of us. And because the wage, that is what we earn, for that sin is death, Romans tells us, and all of us fall short and have rebelled against God in some way or another, then we, as the ones who have rebelled, are responsible for the payment for our rebellion. And Jesus, because He has all authority, do you know what gave Him that authority? The Father gave Him that authority. Why did the Father give Him that authority? Because Jesus did everything that we don't do. Everywhere that we fell short, He excelled. Every time that we veered away from God and chose other things, He chose the Father. Every time that we ran away from Him and His love, He ran towards the Father and said, I will live a life that is completely obedient to You. I will always do what is good and right and perfect. And because of that, He has authority that none of us have. And He uses that authority as one who is completely without sin. Not to shame us. Not to condemn us. Not to write us off as being less than Him. He uses the authority to save us. He could have come to us in that authority. To you and to me and say, you know what? I know everything that you've ever done. Everything that you've ever said. Everything that you've even thought that was against God and against other people. Imagine how long that list is. Right? Mine would stretch out the door and down the street back to my house and run a meet and beyond. And that's a like 10-point font. And he could have come to me and said, you know, Jay, I've come to this world. I've been pursuing you in order to collect payment against you for these things. He had every right to come and do that. And instead, he comes and he says, I haven't come to the world to condemn you, Jay. I've come to the world to save you. And I went to the cross for you and I let the curse, the curse, the wage for the sin, for that list that stretches beyond your wildest imaginations, I let the penalty for that fall not on you. I let it fall on me. And I became a curse for you. I became rejected for you. Even though you don't know how bad you are, I cried out on your behalf, Father, forgive him, forgive her. They don't know what they're doing. And I went willingly to the cross to pay that penalty. Someone had to go. It was either me or him. It's either you or him. Somebody's got to go, and somebody has to say, I will experience the death that comes from sin. And the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus does that for you. And so if you're in Christ this morning, that has been paid for. That is the good news of the Gospel. Is it good news? gets better. It gets better because it's not enough just to have someone die for us. Someone had to overcome death on our behalf so that our sin would no longer separate us from God. And Jesus is the only one because of His perfect life with the authority to do that for you and for me. 
And so the resurrection, it's not just something that happened to Jesus and we all clap and cheer. Hey, look what He did. No, it's God's announcement. It's His proclamation to the world that His death was in fact payment for your sin. Your sin has been buried in His grave. And it will never stand against those who are in Christ Jesus ever again. If you're part of God's family and you're here today, you are here as a righteous, sinless one regardless of what you've done this week or this month. Because of Jesus' work for you. He uses His authority to pursue you and He uses His authority to save you. And if Jesus has the authority to save us from sin, He also has the authority then to save us from sin's penalty, which is death. And though we may die physically, there is a much worse death that the Bible talks about for those of us that have rebelled against God. And because of the work of Jesus to pay for our death and to experience death for us, that is why Paul can say this. In 1 Corinthians 15, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, Thanks be to Him because He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who had no ability to to wage war ourselves and to secure this victory over death. I don't know any human that's ever done it. Do you? I've never experienced anybody with that kind of power. Jesus has that kind of power and He gives it over to us. And so that's why those of us that are in Christ, we can even face death with hope. Because not even that can stand against us anymore. See, without the resurrection, you and I have no hope of victory over our greatest problems in life. We're like the disciples on Saturday morning going, well, I mean, He did a bunch of good stuff and He said a bunch of great things, but the thing He kept saying over and over and over again was He was going to die and rise again after three days and He couldn't do that. So how much can we bank all of the rest of His promises on? How much of our life can we invest in that? See, if Jesus is still in the grave, then all of His promises die with Him. He can't just be a good teacher. He's either nothing or He's Lord. That's it. But if you're in Christ, and this Christ has risen from the dead, then nothing Not even death can stand against us anymore. Because Jesus had the authority to conquer death for us, then there is no other enemy that we face that He cannot also prove victorious over. Not this culture, not the influences on our kids, not the loss of a job. Just think about the things that you constantly think have power over you. And then watch that power dissipate as you behold Jesus standing on His throne. See, that should lead us to be humble and confident at the same time, filled with hope. If Jesus lives, then we're under a new authority. But if Jesus lives, then we are new ourselves too. We have a new identity. We are new creations, He tells us. Those who first follow Jesus 
I mean, picture this. They had all kinds of identifying markers and names that would have, they would have gone by before they knew Jesus. Some of them would have been defined by what they did. They were fishermen or tax collectors or zealots. And others would have been defined by their heritage and where they came from and what other people had done for them or to them. They were Romans and they were powerful because they were from Rome. Or they were Jews and they were exiled and, and, and beaten down because of the Romans. And their whole identity was wrapped up in what they had done to me. If Jesus is not risen, then these men, they would have had to go back to their former identities. Well, I had hoped that something would have been new. I had hoped that I would be changed. I had hoped that I could see myself differently. That my identity would be in who Jesus made me. But now He's in the grave. What are you currently looking to to tell you who you are? If Jesus is not alive, then the only options that we have are to either be defined by what we can muster for ourselves, or defined by what others have done to us. And so you'll look to things that you do to say who you are. You'll look to what you do for your occupation. You'll look to your parenting and how good you were to raise up kids. You'll look to your education to tell you who you are. You'll look to your hobbies because those are the things that you'll, you'll escape to. Or you'll look at what other people have done and you said, I am this because of what they did. And all the while, you'll be asking yourself and everyone around you, am I acceptable? Is this enough? Am I loved now? Am I cherished? Am I brought in? Am I part of something greater than myself? And the bad news is that if we're not defined by Jesus and what He's done for us, then the answer, unfortunately, is no. None of those things can make up for our rebellion against God. And so when we try to restore our identity based on our, on our own good works and our own things, then even those things stand to condemn us because they're all attempts to define who we are apart from the God who made us in the first place. If we live each day solely on the identity of the life that we live, we will always experience something missing. Because we'll never know if it's going to be enough. And at the end of each day, you'll be asking yourself, did I do enough today? Did I parent well enough today? Was I good enough at my job today? And those questions will never end. But if Jesus lives, if Jesus lives, church, then the One who conquered death for us invites us. He says, come and experience a new identity. He tells this to His disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus is saying is go and immerse people into a new identity that isn't based anymore on what they've done or what's been done to them, but who I am and what I've done for them. And so if Jesus lives, then the resurrection, it gives us a completely new identity. It's not an identity that's based on what we need to do now. It's based on what Jesus has done now. And all that was true of who Jesus is, all the things that I mentioned already of what He had done for us and how He had obeyed God at every moment, all of that gets transferred onto us as our sin gets transferred onto Him. He takes our sin. We take His life. 
It's the most unfair deal in the history of creation. And Jesus willingly gives it up. See, in a moment, we're going to be baptizing people in the water behind me as a celebration of this new identity that we've received from Jesus. And what we say when we baptize people and they go down in the water is that we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we need to know that because of the resurrection, we get to be baptized into the name of the Father, which means that God now is our Father. I don't know if you realize this, but before God was our Father, He was our enemy. Because we stood opposed to Him and He takes enemies and rebels like us and He welcomes them as children and says, you're mine and you're beloved. So we celebrate. We baptize people in the name of the Son because we go from serving ourselves in this world to serving our new and loved King. And we give our lives to Him. And because of the resurrection of the dead, we go from a life that's enslaved to sin to a life that's empowered by the Spirit where God is living and active in us. God wants you to know this morning please hear this, that you do not have to be enslaved to another identity that will leave you empty and result in your death. In fact, that's the whole reason He drew you out this morning was so that you would experience this thing called being a new creation in Him. So I I implore you this morning, if this sounds true and plausible to you, then it's because the Spirit of God is actually working on your heart this morning to make things known to you that you could not know apart from Him. He's actually working on your heart right now, opening you to maybe experiencing something that you've never experienced before. That's Him doing the work. I am not able to do that. All I do is give the message. It's the Spirit who actually applies it to your heart. And if you feel it being applied to your heart, then it's Him who's doing the work. And He's saying, come. Come and experience this new life that I have for you. You know the greatest part about that new life? The greatest part about being a new creation in Christ is that if Jesus lives, then we are never alone again. We are never, ever alone again. Imagine this for the disciples. The thing that brought them the most pain at Jesus' death was also the thing that brought them the most joy at His resurrection. So when Jesus died, they were thinking to themselves, we just spent three years with this guy who did incredible things. He was the greatest person that we've ever known. And he did miraculous things. He fed 5,000 people and he walked on water and he healed the sick and he gave sight to the blind and he raised the dead. And now this man is dead. Imagine being in their shoes and going, What do we do now? How do we live life without this Jesus? And that's why when they heard the news, they heard the news on Easter morning, Jesus is alive. He lives. He is risen. He is risen. These guys take off in their sandals and run 60 miles north to Galilee. I mean, picture this. In robes. Like, you know? I don't know. Just 
Grown men running in joy at the prospect of seeing their risen king to face to face. Imagine the discovery when they, they arrive at Galilee and they see Jesus. I can't imagine that. To go that way, the whole time you're thinking to yourself, I hope he's there. I hope, God, please let him be there. And they come up that mountain over the crest, and there he is standing there before him. The Savior, this man who they thought they lost forever, was now standing before him, and his words to them are this, I will be with you. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. There is never again going to be a time when you are separated from me. I was in the car with Caleb on my son on Friday, and uh, we were driving in the morning, and uh, oftentimes he'll ask me, like, what day is today? And we're, we're learning the days of the week. And um, it's a great opportunity, right? It's Good Friday. What day is today? It's Good Friday. Oh, okay. Silence. <laughs> I said, do you know what Good Friday is? It's the day that Jesus died. And he goes, Jesus died? Yeah. Yeah, he died. I can hear like the wheels in his mind turning. He's like, but we pray to Jesus. I said, do you know what Easter Sunday is? In, just, in two days from now, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I said, it's Easter. Do you know what we celebrate on Easter? We celebrate that Jesus is alive. He's alive? <laughs> I thought he died. <laughs> I said, yeah, Jesus died. And then God raised him up again. And I love this question. This is, the, this is like, I started to tear up. He goes, will he ever die again? Nope. He will never die again. Never, ever, 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 ever. You never have to experience a day, Caleb, in your whole life where you have to wonder if God is not with you. And he goes, so where is he now? <laughs> He's here. He's here. I said, He's actually in the car. And we're going to get into the intricacies of the Holy Spirit when he's four. So <laughs> we'll get there. I said, you have to know he's here. He lives in daddy. He's here. We need to know that, don't we? That he's here. That God did not leave us abandoned. And so if you're here this morning thinking that, that God is somehow distant and removed from your circumstances or, or standing in a far-off place watching you and looking for mistakes. It's just not true. If Jesus has not been raised, then we have no hope that He's here with us. But He's here. And He's with us. And He will be forever. And this is the best news of the resurrection. And it's the same good news for us as it was for Jesus' first disciples. Do you know what we get at the resurrection? We get Jesus, folks. We get Him. I, I don't want us leaving here today 
thinking that something else is better than us getting Jesus. If you leave here today and you go, yeah, well, I get heaven, or I get to see my family members again, or I get to avoid hell, or whatever it is, those are all great things. Please, all that comes with Him. Don't miss that. But please know that at the forefront of that train of joy that's coming into your, the living room called your life is a man named Jesus who loves you and died for you and rose again to defeat sin and death for you and now stands as your Savior today. So when you think of the resurrection, church, let's think of Him first. Because He's the thing that we get to celebrate most because He is most glorious. Amen? He's here. And that's the best news that I've got for you this morning. In a moment, we're going to baptize some people who are coming into faith in Jesus Christ. Um, And I would just say this. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'll say it anyway. If it wasn't your plan to be baptized today, if you came here not, not thinking that you would get wet, But God is prompting you because His Spirit is working in your heart and you've never been baptized, but you've come to faith in Him. We've got towels. <laughs> and we've got some extra shorts and we've got some shirts. Right, John? We're good to go. Just come. I'm going to head through that door in a second. Feel free to follow me. See, if Jesus lives, then it demands a choice be made on our, on our part, right? You can't look a risen Jesus in the face and go, well, I'll put it off. <laughs> you're either changed or you're not. And I pray this morning that God is working in your heart to change you. That's what He does. That's why we celebrate Him today. So I pray that you would put your faith in this Jesus and receive for your life a new identity and a new authority and a new presence that's going to be with you forever and ever and ever. Amen. Father, thank You for Jesus. Thank You that He did not come to this earth to condemn us, but He came to save us. And because He came to save us, we are now new creations in You. What a marvelous thing that is. That we get to revel in the fact that Jesus is alive today. Lord, I pray that uh, we would not take that for granted. People who celebrate it everywhere that we go. We ask for Jesus' glory and fame. Amen.